Welcome back into College Golf Talk. Steve Burkowski, Brentley Romine with you. So glad you can join us. And Brentley, real quickly, the spring is ramping up quickly. We've got a lot to break down. Your quick thoughts on what's happened in the past couple of weeks since we last had a podcast? Yeah, I tweeted yesterday a screenshot of golf stat, and there was about eight or nine tournaments. And it was just good to see because we hadn't seen that in a while. Yeah, it's refreshing considering the fact we've sort of continued to harp on it, rightfully so. There are a lot of schools and programs that haven't collectively played together for their university in nearly a year. And you'd see the tweets out there. I think it was one of the Pac-12 women's team. It's only been 341 days since we've done this. So uh, it's good to see us getting a little bit closer to what we have normally seen. And we're going to jump right to it with this ever-changing world. One thing is for certain. If it's February, you know the Gator Invitational is going to happen in Gainesville, Florida. I can make the argument it was the strongest field they have ever had due to that sort of SEC regionalized footprint. The Gators, 15 under in their final round. They win by five. Andrew Kozan from Auburn, Trent Phillips from Georgia. They tie for individual honors, and we're pleased to have J.C. Deacon, the head men's golf coach at Florida, join us. Uh, J.C., always good to catch up. Congratulations to you and the team. What are your thoughts on the statement the Gators made there in Gainesville last week? Well, Burko, Brentley, thanks for having me. Uh, always a pleasure to, uh, to talk with you guys. And I know speaking for all of us coaches, we appreciate what you guys do for uh, college golf. But uh, it, was, it was a crazy weekend in Gainesville for sure. I think last Monday, Tuesday, um, all of us coaches were extremely concerned about even getting 18 holes to play in with the weather that was headed our way. And um, the golf gods graced us with actually some fantastic weather. We had to had to move the format around. And um, as kind of the pseudo tournament director, um, I, you know, I first got to thank all the coaches who were just so flexible and so patient with the format. We ended up we we're supposed to play 18 holes Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We ended up playing about 30, 30 to 33 on Friday and then finished on Saturday with a brief delay in the morning. So it was it was crazy with all the format changing and times and delays and stuff, but got it in. And um, uh, what can I say? Uh, very proud coach. Um, 15 under in the final round on your home turf um, to get it done. And I, I think we all knew in the morning waking up that it was going to take something pretty special to win um, with teams like Georgia, Auburn, LSU, Vanderbilt. You know, they were all ahead of us. And uh, you know that they're not going to hand you anything. You got to go and get it. And uh, credit to our guys. That was that was one of the most fun days I've ever had in coaching. And um, the guys certainly enjoyed it. So um, we got to get back to work, but uh, that's that's definitely a, a nice little notch on the belt to uh, to get going here. What's been the biggest challenge for you and your guys over the last almost year, but particularly this college golf season, you guys had the opportunity to play a few events in the fall from a head coaching standpoint. There is no blueprint for this, JC. How have you kept them engaged, kept them ready, kept them healthy. I mean, you've got a whole nother layer of to-do lists just to make sure you can even play golf tournaments. Yeah, it's, it's certainly been an incredibly challenging year. Um, unfortunately for our guys, 
um, you know, they had to make a greater sacrifice this year than ever before. And, uh, you know, as you know, I know you had a great time when you, you were here at the University of Florida. Um, it's a lot of fun to go to school here, whether it's football, basketball, the social life, uh, Midtown. There, there's lots going on for these young guys to, to meet other people um, and to get engaged in the social part of things. And uh, we just haven't been able to do that this year. And that's that's been completely off the table. And uh, we've we've certainly had our own speed bumps along the way, trying to trying to get guys to relearn life. And um, it's it's been difficult. But at the same time, uh, I think it's provided us a lot more time together. And, uh, you know, because we are in kind of our little mini bubble and we're getting tested all the time. So we've been forced to, I think the guys on the team more than anything have been forced to hang out with each other more than they ever have in the past. And uh, it's, it's been awesome. This team is the closest one I've ever had. And I think we probably have COVID to thank for that a little bit. They just, they get along so well. Um, they're spending all day, every day together, but uh, you know, it's our trainers and doctors and all the planners in our athletic association that, that deserve all the credit because they've, they've done the hard work, done all the planning. We just, uh, you know, try and make sure our boys are making good decisions. And, um, you know, we're not going out to meals as much and we're not, we're not doing some of those fun things, but, but that's okay too, because, uh, you know, it's just been more takeout and, and eating together and having more uh, real life conversations, which is pretty cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I can say probably enjoying this. It's been stressful, but I'm enjoying this year as, as much as any. It's, it's been really neat to see our guys mature and come around and embrace the situation and, and come together. So I think there's been lots of positives as well. I can Jason, verify. Hang on, uh, Brentley, real quick. It was the best four and a half years of my life. I took the extra <laughs> semester in the 90s. My wife, Kate, hates it. She's like, well, what about us? I said, well, once we get past four and a half years, and I'll say, uh, now we've been married almost nine, but uh, I had to throw that in there. I I enjoyed those days in the 90s back in Gainesville. This yeah. just depresses me even more. I didn't get into Florida, so I don't know what it's like. I don't know. I don't know what it's like to have fun. <laughs> but uh, no. But uh, JC, this team looks so much better than it did last fall, last season. Can you just talk about the journey? over these past few months to get from where you were to where you are now? Yeah, it's, it's been tough, uh, to be honest. Uh, we've, we've, we've made a lot of changes. I think, you know, you're, you're kind of pointing out there, if you look at our roster starting 2019-20 season compared to this 2021 season, it's, it's uh, half the team's changed. And um, I think, you know, that's just the expectations that come with the University of Florida. And the, the level's extremely high around all our athletic programs. And, um, you know, we just we weren't playing up to the standard that we needed to. And um, it's on me to make some changes. And there, there was some tough calls that had to be made. And um, I think I think it's actually worked out for for everyone involved on both sides. But, uh, you know, we're lucky enough to, to add some new players. And uh, we've had two freshmen that have come in and made a massive difference right away, which was huge. And then, uh, you know, over the over the Christmas break, you know, picking up a Yushin Lin is just uh, obviously a coach's dream. And um, not only on the golf course is he really special, but uh, 
he has come in and made some absolute best friends with the guys on the team. He has just been a perfect fit for our culture. And I think, um, you know, with him being here so far, we, we haven't lost. And uh, I think a lot to do with it is, is how well he's fit in off the golf course. And he's loving life. The guys are loving him here. And uh, he's just kind of um, throwing a bunch of positive energy at us and, and just a really relaxed confidence that he brings to the table. So, um, but yeah, tons of changes on the roster. I think they've, they've all been really, really positive. Giovanni Manzoni, um, who transferred over from Lynn, has just been fantastic, played really, really solid for us in the fall. Um, and, and then Joe Pagden and, and Tyler Wilkes as freshmen have just been fantastic. And then you look at our two sophomores uh, returning, Ricky Castillo, who's going to play in a Walker Cup here in a couple months, and, and Fred Biondi, um, who, who uh, has just taken a huge jump this year. He's averaging uh, 70 around 70.8 and that's a that's a pretty low scoring average for uh the schedule we play so just a lot of guys have improved we made some roster improvements and it's it's all coming together to uh you know to have a couple back-to-back -back wins against some pretty strong fields so it's it's how we should be this is this is where the university of florida golf Pro program should be and um it's on us to uh, to keep this going yeah i still have to get back at yushin from last year's southwestern I did a master's trivia with him and he looked at the answers on my phone and I didn't realize it. So maybe I can head up there pretty soon once COVID settles down a little more and make it run sprints or something. Yeah, he's uh, he's a piece of work. We he, he definitely keeps us on our toes every day, but uh, super talented, shows up with a big smile and, and some jokes every day. And um, I just I've been blown away at how how good of a fit he's been. He's he's getting really, really close with the guys. And, and like I said before, they they love having him around. And obviously, I think he's earned everyone's respect with uh, his T6 finish this week in a in a stack Gator Invitational field. JC, before we let you go, winning golf tournaments, shooting low scores, important. That's part of the success. But ultimately, I've always been a big believer, and I think you are as well. It's the six weeks from April through late May that truly define how good a team can be. What is the most critical thing for you as a coach to do to make sure come SECs and regionals and then a trip to Greyhawk that this program can arguably say, hey, they're as good as anyone in the country. Yeah, you're right, Burko. Um, the, the regular season's great, and uh, I think you can learn a lot and, and grow um, and get yourself in position to have a successful postseason. But what happens at Sea Island, at SEC's, uh, NCAA regionals, and then ultimately at the national championship is, is how this team's going to be defined. And um, I, I just... I like them. They're, they're different than any team I've had, I think, because these guys want the spotlight and they, they truly do. And, you know, they, they all, we all sat, sat around and talked about our goals. And I said, if you, if you guys really mean that, prove it and, and prove it with your work ethic, prove it with your dedication, your discipline. And they're doing it every day. The, these guys have blown me away across the board that you know we talked earlier about giving up some of the social aspects of, of college and they've done that um they're here from sun up to they're backing up their big words and uh you know we've got a long way to go and i think um you know we we've won a couple tournaments back to back but i i, I do not think we played our best yet and uh, i want to see when these guys are at their best see what that looks like so we've got a long way to go we got three great regular season events left 
and then uh, we got a, a, you know, I think the best conference in college golf uh, waiting for us. It's at Sea Island in late April there. So lots of tests. Um, so we just gotta gotta keep working, keep improving, and um, you know, we we it's it's exciting though because we've got a we got a group of guys that really want the spotlight and uh, wanna wanna try and win at the highest level. Speaking of players at their best, JC, you won the Florida Open last summer and you won it back in 2017 as well. How's your game right now? And are you the best playing division one head coach out there right now? <laughs> um, well, I've, I think I've played one round of golf in uh, 2021. So I'm uh, probably terrible. I'd be um, probably happy to break 80 right about now, which is fine. My, uh, my boys are getting all my time, which is exactly how it should be. But, uh, now I, there's some great playing coaches out there. Um, you know, Ryan, your top had five? uh, my top five shoot, um, you know, I, Ryan Hibble had a good summer. He played some some great golf at some amateur tournaments. I think you look at Mike Small. Obviously, he's been um, he's the reason, one of the big reasons why I still try and compete. He he told me my first year in coaching, he said, "Hey man, I you know I know you you still play and and you're just coming out of professional golf." And he said, "You should you should keep that up." He goes, "It's an advantage in coaching." And um, I took took those words very seriously. So Mike was a, a big influence on me. And he's still, you know, making cuts and making money on the Champions Tour, which is amazing after all these years. And um, I think you got to look at my alma mater. They uh, Coach Knight hired A.J. McInerney, who played for me a few years ago. Um, he's a great player coming off the Corn Ferry Tour here. And and then a fellow Canadian, uh, Matt Hoffman, he got, he got hired at uh, Michigan and he bombs it, hits it forever and still a really good player. So um, I know I'm missing a bunch, but those are, uh, those are four pretty dang good ones right there. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks JC for your time. Thanks for coming in. Congrats on the recent success and uh, enjoy Burko's old stomping grounds up there in Gainesville. We'll talk to you. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're keeping it safe for you, Burko. I promise. And uh, we always love, uh, love being on with you guys and thanks again for for everything you're doing for our sport appreciate it jc congrats again all the best to you and the team moving forward and uh brentley you're just i don't want to rub it in but the time in gainesville ah <laughs> it was special it was magnificent but we always uh appreciate hearing from jc deacon and um he, you know brentley he's doing what every coach is doing you know how do we stay safe how do we stay in the bubble we've seen teams how to pull you know, out of tournaments, whether it's on the men's side, the women's side, it's, you know, this year isn't going to be normal. This season isn't going to be normal. You know, maybe a year from now, we all get back to, to something we're used to seeing, but uh, you know, obviously a, a really nice performance by the Gators and a good start to the spring. Um, and again, you heard uh, coach Deacon talking about the juggling uh, he had to do weather-wise. That was just a, a whole nother element there. Um, but how about the, women a team i've been bullish on in the fall <laughs> and have been. I, i've I'm, I'm 10 times as much now when you take a look at what south carolina did um this past uh, week pauline Roussen bouchard i've said it i believe she's the best player in the country opens with 63 wins by four the lady gamecocks win by six over lsu and what was a very good team in the fall got even stronger here in the spring yeah they add Anna Palias who's a fifth year senior now she actually went back to Spain last March right when the COVID-19 pandemic was really starting to 
hit the U.S. in full force. She decided to fly back to the U.S. in hopes of playing the SECs, but when she landed in Miami, Burko, that's when she found out that that was canceled too. The whole season was canceled. So instead of going to Colombia from, from the Miami airport, she just hopped on a plane back to Spain and she's been there until late January. Now, most, most of the time you think, you know, going back to Europe during a pandemic, of course, Spain was in lockdown for most of that time. She certainly couldn't have got better playing golf, but she did. She went from around 150 in the wagger to now she's 25th. She's in the Augusta National Women's Amateur in April. And she won an amateur event. She finished top three in a couple pro events. And now she comes back to South Carolina and ties for third in her first tournament back. Her second round, 67, was was pretty nice as well, bogey-free. And an interesting point about Pauline, uh, she didn't even count that final day. So with Palaya's back, with Panipa Panton, the transfer from Kent State, Lois Kago. This team is really deep. And I know that a couple episodes ago, Burko, you were really high on South Carolina. And I was like, well, let's wait and see what these other teams are doing. USC's looked pretty good, but I think I'm on board now. I think I'm all on the Gamecocks. Yeah, it's impressive. You can make the argument that in three months, it could be the two USC's battling one another, University of Southern California. University of South Carolina. It's it's just one of those things you sit, you watch, you talk to the coaches, and it was the first real chance at, at Eastlake that I saw Pauline Roussen Bouchard just hit balls on the range, and it's just different. It's just different than most of the players out there, um, and that's not a knock on anyone else. She's arguably the best player in, in women's college golf. Uh, tip of the cap to LSU. They're hanging around each and every time. Uh, Ingrid Lidblad didn't have her best week, but yet they still had a chance to win. So I want to see that squad continue to progress. Remember what Old Miss did in the fall? The women's SEC could be really, really strong when you go top to bottom here. Ingrid Lidblad had a bad week. She finished ninth, Burko. I know. That's <laughs> awful for her. That's awful. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I really like LSU. I mean, we talked a lot about Ingrid Lindblad, but – Latana Stone, runner-up finished. Kendall Griffin, T6. I mean, this isn't just a one-person squad. I still think Auburn, they were fifth at Moon Golf, Burko, but I still think that they can put it together. They have the pieces there, and Megan Schofel, their standout sophomore, she was T37, and they still finished fifth. So that's a team that I certainly have my eye on. Alabama is an interesting team. I think they could either be middle of the road SEC or they could be, you know, top three or four. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that conference plays out. Yeah, those are a couple of events that wrapped up uh, the previous few days. Some that will be ending up on Wednesday today as this podcast is released. Let's stick with the women, the Sun Devil, I believe, what is it, the Winter Classic out there. Uh, and you've got USC up one on Arizona State. Sort of looks like a two-team race. And then uh, Grant and Spitz tied for the lead, two of the best players in the country. So uh, it's going to be an interesting little showdown. Again, the Pac-12, they didn't play in the fall. So these schools and programs, they're trying to figure it out. And USC seemingly hasn't missed a beat, including the fact that Gabby Ruffles has turned professional since we had had our last uh, podcast, yeah, there's there's still uh, 
a ton. I'm looking at this leaderboard, Burko. There's a ton of great players in the Pac-12. I mean, yes, Ruffles, Ruffles was obviously, you know, we talked about at the on the last podcast, Rachel Keene saying from Wake Forest saying that Gabby Ruffles is the best iron player in college golf. USC's going to miss her. But look at who's third right now at playing as an individual for them. Alexa Melton. She's a transfer from Pepperdine. She could be that key for Justin Silverstein's team and replacing Gabby. It's I, I kind of hate using that word because it's hard to replace the U.S. Women's Amateur Champion and obviously last year runner-up in that event as well. But Alexa Melton's going to surprise some people, I think. Yeah, obviously USC year in, year out in the mix. Um, it'll be intriguing to see how that one breaks down as well as the prestige, the final round coming up on Wednesday today. Pepperdine, a three-shot lead over Arizona State in Arizona. We saw them at the Southwestern Invitational nearly a month ago. Played okay, dug a big hole on that first day they couldn't get out of. Then they had a withdraw from the event in Hawaii due to COVID-19 protocol. I believe this is a big statement today for Pepperdine to make to say, we are as good as people think, including myself. Um, and Arizona State, Let's see what they have. And, and how about Arizona? That We don't even talk about the Wildcats that much. What a monumental round it could be for them to throw their names in the mix. Yeah, I think Jim Anderson and, and the Wildcats are a little pissed off right now, Burko, because <laughs> all we've done is talk about Arizona State. We've had coaches and players on our airwaves. And Arizona, I mean, they've, they've played just as good as anybody this spring. So... I, I definitely think they have a chip on their shoulder and Pepperdine probably does as well. I mean, they play one bad event and we're talking about, you know, how the wheels are falling off. It seems like, so I I'm, I'm not worried about Pepperdine. The, I, I will say this about Arizona state because we hold them to such a high standard. I'm, I'm a, I'm a little worried about kind of what we've seen in terms of the up and down from them. They they've had a really great rounds and they've had some not so great rounds. But when you have that kind of talent, of course, David Pooge, runner-up, or he's second right now going into the final round. When you have him at the top of the lineup and Kevin Yu right behind him, you know, you're know you not going to have many of those poor rounds as you get going. So I, I, I got my eye on Arizona State, maybe trying to be a little bit more consistent than they are, but they're still the best team in the country right now. Oh, well, you hit on a key point. That last day at the Southwestern, they had three scores in the 80s. If they are going to be the best team in the country, that simply can't happen. No. There needs to be more solid showings from three, four, five, six. Pooge back-to-back wins, looking for three in a row. Got off to a great start, struggled uh, a bit in the second round. And he's two shots behind Ludwig Aberg from Texas Tech, who won the Jones Cup a couple of weeks ago. So there's a whole nother layer as those teams battle it out for the team title individually you can make the argument maybe the two best players in college golf right now on the men's side here in the final round i'm finally glad that you're joining me on the ludwig aberg train burko because this this train is rolling it's rolling (laughs) fast he just won the jones cup and how about like the number of swedes that are just playing at such a high level right now on men's college golf. Tim Whiting from San Francisco is playing in the Genesis this week. Uh, Vincent Norman from Florida State has won a a college event already after transferring from the D2 level. Ludwig Aberg, certainly. So there's a lot of Swedish talent 
and I guess on the women's side as well with Lynn Blatt and Lynn Grant. So Beatrice Wallen from Florida State. So there might be a little bit of a college golf hotbed or something over there in Sweden. I've never been. I've always wanted to go, though. I've never been to Sweden either, but there's certainly a, a pipeline we've seen. You can go all the way back to the days of Annika nearly 30 years ago, or gosh, probably more than 30 years ago, heading over to Tucson for her couple of seasons in Arizona. So that sort of gets you up to date on what's happened, what will wrap up today. But a uh, quick touch of the collegiate showcase that the Genesis Invitational this past Monday, Angus Flanagan winning that in extra holes. A diminutive one, shall I say, from Minnesota. He made the cut at the 3M Open uh, on the PGA Tour last summer. Let's see what he's got against the big boys here this week. Diminutive. Wow. He's, he's got well, a big a nice game, though. Saying, that's a nice way of saying he's about five foot six, five foot seven. Yeah, you know, he's <laughs> – he, He's a great little player. Uh, you know, I hate to keep harping on his on his size, but what he did at 3M last year, what he's done at Minnesota, I think I tabbed him as the Big Ten preseason player of the year, and I know a lot of coaches expect that up, out expect that out of him as well. And then seeing him at Genesis, taking down Tim Whiting in, in a three-hole playoff, now getting to showcase his game against an even better field, arguably the best regular season field non-major non-WGC on tour so I'm excited he's he's kind of one of those guys who we knew about but we didn't know how good he was we just knew that his name was Angus Flanagan and that he was a member of the all-name team and we didn't know that (laughs) that he could beat just about anybody and then the PGA Tour U rankings we continue to watch and as we get a little bit deeper into the spring season I I, I'm hopeful that top five will look differently from the fact I want to see players be able to play their way into that. And, and I know since it's been released, a lot of these guys haven't had a chance, but I'm curious to see, will we start to see some fluctuation here in the next uh, few weeks? Yeah, I think we're going to see that right away when, when the rankings get released today on Wednesday we're going to see some movement, maybe not in that top five, but certainly from that six to 25 range. And once we get seven, eight, nine tournaments a week or every two weeks, we're going to start to see guys and we're already seeing it guys jumping from 60 to 25 from 35 to 15. So there wasn't that much movement. You're right, Burko in the fall, because there was only about 12 events. Um, so I'm, I, I'm definitely excited to see what it looks like come conference championship time, come regional time. It could be a very exciting wrinkle. And I almost think we're kind of underrating what NCAAs is going to look like with that PGA Tour U race. I, I have a feeling we're going to get to Greyhawk, and that's going to be something that we're just, you know, super pumped up about and have our eyes on the entire week. Yeah, it is. And again, remember, this is a two-year window, so we can't assume one event is going to dramatically shift things. But as more events get, uh, you know, into that pipeline, really similar to the world golf rankings, you know, they've got the divisor and they break it all down and a computer system and rankings uh, system much deeper and smarter than either of us can spit out what the uh, permutations are. So, Uh, You're right. As this moves on, it will be intriguing to see. And you know what also is going to be intriguing? And what is it today? February 17th. And about 10 weeks from now, 
We've got a Walker Cup in early May at Seminole. I've been to about six or seven Walker Cup matches. It's never this early. It's always early September after the amateur. That's a whole different dynamic. And we heard J.C. Deacon a short time ago say, we know Ricky's already on this squad. It's now starting to take shape because it's going to be here before we know it. Yeah, we have already four players that have solidified their spots on the 10-man team that'll play at Seminole on the U.S. side. That's Tyler Strafacci, obviously the former Georgia Tech player who's remaining amateur, who won the USAM last August at Bandon. And then last week, he was joined by Georgia's Davis Thompson, Ricky Castillo, as we mentioned, from Florida, and Florida State's John Pack, who jumped Pearson Cootie the last week to gain that third spot that went to the highest-ranked Americans as of February 10th or whatever that date was. So and that's the second time John's jumped Pearson. I, I remember last fall he jumped him to get into the U.S. Open when the USGA was handing out spots via the Wagger for that as well. So we have four guys. And I think a, co a couple months ago, Burko, I was anticipating this team to be picked, I don't know, late April, something like that. So I figured, hey, all these spring college events are going to be some great measuring sticks because we're not going to have the Western Am and the, and the US Am and the Northeast to gauge players with it being in May. But then I heard about a week ago that this team's going to be announced pretty soon and that the Jones Cup a couple Sundays ago was the last tournament that was going into consideration for the team. So with that said, you're looking at someone like Pearson Cootie at eighth in the Wagger. He's probably on the team. His Texas teammate, Cole Hammer, he's likely on. Of course, the, the mid amateurs have to be rep, represent, represented. That's number 12, Stuart Hegestead. I don't see, see any other mid am that deserves it over him. So that's seven spots. I don't know, Burko. I mean, who who are your three guys, you know, to kind of fill out that team, assuming you agree with me that those seven are safe? I, I feel like you're 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 on to something with those uh, those three guys making it just throwing out names. Is it an Austin Eckroat? Is it a Quade Cummins? Is it these are guys just sort of jumping to the forefront of of my mind that that could earn a spot to your point if really all the events have been quote-unquote concluded in terms of consideration uh, those are two that jump into my mind are you on board with them on the short list yeah I definitely like Quaid I definitely like Austin Ekro to me that last spot kind of comes down between William Mao from Pepperdine who's starting to he's, he's playing well right now at the prestige but he was a little up and down the past couple months I think Mac Meisner from SMU is also in that convo Garrett Reban from Oklahoma. It's kind of sad in a way because we're so used to guys like Jordan Niebergi a few years back, Cameron Champ back in 2017 when they got hot and won a few amateur tournaments during the summer. And all of a sudden they're on the Walker Cup team and then the next week they're playing in it. And so it's a little sad because there, there hasn't really been that chance for a guy to come out of nowhere and make the team. This is going to be... I mean, it'll probably be the strongest team ever, although that 2017 was pretty good and also the 2017 squad as well. But I just always like seeing that one guy, like a Doc Redmond winning the USAM at the last minute getting on the team. So Andy Ogletree as well. 
So it's going to be a little bit different, but once we get to Seminole, those 10 guys and also the 10 guys who end up making the GB and I squad, they're going to really put on a show because we're going to get on those fast Donald Ross greens at Seminole Burko. And we're going to have guys three putt, four putt. It's, <laughs> it, we're, we're going to have some Mongolian reversals. It's going to be exciting. I'm going to give you a flyer and I'm not sure there's enough of a resume past the U S amateur. Keep an eye on Ali Osborne to the finals of the U.S. Amateur, I can assure you when they pick these teams, they might not say it, there is a heavy lean and emphasis on USGA championships. If I've seen a little more from Ollie since then, again, that could be off the radar, but if he happened to make it, I've seen it for 20 years of those USGA championships hold a lot of weight. Just throwing that name out there. If Ollie makes the team, the USGA is going to have to sign a brownie contract or something because they're going to have to make sure the the team room stocked with plenty of sweets for him. Otherwise, he's not going to play his best. You're right. It was a staple abandon each and every day after shooting nearly 80 the first day, comes back and makes the match play. And we know uh, the rest of, of that story, how it played out last summer at Bandon Dunes. Uh, it'll be intriguing if that little birdie that told you this team might be announced here in the coming weeks We'll certainly keep everyone updated on that as we wind down this edition of College Golf Talk. Or again, our thanks to J.C. Deacon, head men's golf coach at the University of Florida, for joining us. We appreciate you joining us as well. And until next time, take care. For Brentley, I'm Burka. We'll see you soon.